Hi, this is John, by the way, and excited to talk today about Matthew chapter 11 and 12 and Luke 11. And as I've mentioned before, with the Follow Him podcast with Hank Smith, we go in more depth. I just like to give you some extra things that we didn't really cover. And today, I think one of the probably most repeated verses ever is are the last three verses in Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, first of all, it's kind of interesting to me that I did a little study on come unto Christ, come unto me. A few years ago, the theme for the youth, you know how every year they have a, a scriptural theme, was come unto Christ and be perfected in Him. The, the last, some of the last verses in the book of Moroni, in the book of Mormon, Moroni chapter 10, I think that's what, verse 33 or something. And just because I was curious, I started researching where all these invitations come from. And I think it was Elder Bednar that said that the, the central and recurring theme of the Book of Mormon is the invitation to come unto Christ. And so I started researching, and I found the come unto Christ phrase only appears, I think I got four or five times, come unto me, where Jesus is talking or a prophet is speaking for him, appeared 28 times. There's a time where Lehi says, come unto me, but he's at the tree of life and he's asking his family. So I had to find out which ones are Jesus talking or Jesus being quoted. And my memory was 25 of the 28 come unto me invitations are in the Book of Mormon, which I thought was so interesting because the Book of Mormon really is a book of invitations as Elder Bednar said. And it also just kind of has a different tone than the Bible. The Book of Mormon authors sometimes just talk right to us. Like Mormon chapter 8, Behold, I speak unto you as if you were present, and yet ye are not. But behold, Jesus Christ hath shown you unto me, and I know you're doing. I mean, Moroni is just talking right to us. And prophets will say that they saw our day and wrote to us. And the, the Bible doesn't have that. I love the Bible. But it has a different tone. Book of Mormon has that invitation tone where it's just coming, talking to us. Well, these verses sound like that at the very end of Matthew. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the Lord talking directly to us. And there were a few things that we didn't have time to cover and follow him that I just really wanted to give you some, some stuff from some quotations from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland for one, he gave a talk called Broken Things to Mend. And some of the things he said I thought were, were so good. Just believing, just having a molecule of faith, that simple step, when focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, has ever been, and always will be, the first principle of his eternal gospel, the first step out of despair. Second, Elder Holland continued, we must change anything we can change that may be part of the problem. In short, we must repent, perhaps the most hopeful and encouraging word in the Christian vocabulary. Anything we can change, we should change, and we must forgive the rest. In this way, our access to the Savior's atonement becomes as unimpeded as we with our imperfections can make it. He will take it from there. Third, in as many ways as possible, we try to take upon us His identity, and we begin by taking upon us his name. 
That name is formally bestowed by covenant in the saving ordinances of the gospel. These start with baptism and conclude with temple covenants, with many others, such as partaking of the sacrament, laced throughout our lives as additional blessings and reminders. Following these most basic teachings, a splendor of connections to Christ opens up to us in multitudinous ways. Prayer and fasting and meditation upon His purposes, savoring the scriptures, giving service to others, succoring the weak, lifting up the hands which hang down, strengthening the feeble knees, that's all from section 81, verse 5. Above all else, loving with the pure love of Christ, that gift that never faileth, that gift that beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. Soon with that kind of love we realize our days hold scores of thoroughfares leading to the Master, and that every time we reach out, however feebly for Him, we discover He has been anxiously trying to reach us. So that come unto me invitation, Elder Holland beautifully explains. First, we start with faith in Christ. Second, we repent. Third, as many ways as possible, we try to take upon us his work and his name and his identity. So that talk is called Broken Things to Mend, which would be in your May 2006 ensign. Or if you're using your Gospel Library app, that would be General Conference, April 2006. Now, the idea of take my yoke upon you, the yoke of that this might be talking about could be the burdens of the law of Moses that the Pharisees had given to the people. And it kind of says that if you go to Acts chapter 15, verse 10, it says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? They made the law even more than it was, put a fence around the law, made it more than was really there. And in a way, perhaps Jesus is talking about that. My yoke is easier. My burden is light. It was this inner law, this higher law, but inner law, which he's asking us to keep. And I don't know if, if that's exactly the meaning, because sometimes I think it's, it's not easier. It's harder, because our thoughts and our intents and everything come into play. But I understand why he's saying, just let me help you carry this. If, if, if we are with him to carry our, our burdens, boy, have we got help. And that reminds me also of a talk that Elder, I'm sorry, it was President Howard W. Hunter gave in October of 1990. And he said, in biblical times, the yoke was a device of great assistance to those who till, tilled the field. It allowed the strength of a second animal to be linked and coupled with the effort of a single animal, sharing and reducing the heavy labor of the plow or wagon. A burden that was overwhelming or perhaps impossible for one to bear could be equitably and comfortably borne by two, bound together with a common yoke. Continuing President Hunter, Why face life's burdens alone? Christ asks. Or why face them with temporal support that will quickly falter? To the heavy laden, it is Christ's yoke. It is the power and peace of standing side by side with a God that will provide the support, balance, and strength to meet our challenges and endure our tasks here in the hard pan field of mortality. 
Obviously, the personal burdens of life vary from person to person, but every one of us has them. Furthermore, each trial in life is tailored to the individual's capacities and needs as known by a loving Father in heaven. Of course, some sorrows are brought on by the sins of a world not following the counsel of that Father in heaven. In other words, the agency of others, I I think he's saying. Back to President Hunter. Whatever the reason, none of us seems to be completely free from life's challenges. To one and all, Christ said in effect, As long as we all must bear some burden and shoulder some yoke, why not let it be mine? My promise to you is that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So once again, that's from November 1990, Ensign, or October 1990, General Conference. So for those of us who who try to take upon us the Savior's yoke, He actually promises rest to our souls. And this rest can be a lightening of our burdens and the faith that He is alongside us. So that... uh, Those famous verses have some beautiful comments made about them. I really love what President Hunter said there. So I wanted to spend some time on that. But also, in Luke chapter 11, we didn't talk about this at all that I recall in our Follow Him. I just love this little parable. I've always loved this little parable. And part of what makes it great is there's a little JST intro that you might miss unless you see it in your footnotes. So Luke 11, 5 through 8, just four verses. And if you look, there's actually a footnote after the number five on the very first word, and, and it's an, down below, says 5A JST. And he said unto them, Your heavenly Father will not fail to give unto you whatsoever ye ask of him. And he spake a parable, saying, Which of you, now back to up to verse 5, shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse 8, I just love this. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, comma, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. I love that <laughs> because he is his friend, especially when we see who that friend is. Because for us, that friend is God. And even though we come without proper planning or preparation and say, I need help, please give me what I need, because he is his friend, he will. And the, the thing you don't want to do in this is compare this to, to say that our Father in Heaven is at first refuses us or something like that. You have to go down to 13 to see, because it's, it's, to me it's all part of this, verse 13, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, if you, acting like this person in the parable, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him, I think, but God won't be the one who refuses first. And that's why that introduction to the parable is so good. Your heavenly Father will not fail to give unto you whatsoever ye ask of him. And then he spake this parable. 
So a friend comes at midnight, oh man, this guest showed up, I need help. And because he is his friend, boy, that's, that's wonderful to equate that with our Father in Heaven. And it reminds me of some of the verses in Doctrine and Covenants last year. When, and I don't know if the sequence is exactly perfect, but it seems when it starts out, it's my servant. Joseph and others are addressed by God, by the Savior, as my servant Joseph. And then it becomes my son, and, er, and then it even becomes my friends. And that sequence there is beautiful, that at one point the Lord is calling those in the, receiving the revelation his friends, and I think us his friends as well. And that's what we have here in this little parable, because he is his friend. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. The next verse, I say unto you, ask, it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, part of the, one of the trials of life is, well, how long do we knock? Because sometimes the Lord comes in the fourth watch. He's really slow to answer, and he doesn't answer in the timing that we think he should. So the quote, the old saying is, God may not be on time, but he's never late. <laughs> he may not be in time for us, what we think is on time. But if we trust him, he won't, he won't be late. He'll come when he's most needed, or he'll come in a way that is, is loving. And that's what's so amazing then. Everything we're learning here is that he isn't just a ruler, an omnipotent creator, but he's a loving father, and he actually does things for our benefit. And it reminds us of, what is it, Second Nephi 26, He doeth not anything, save it be for the benefit of the world. So because he is his friend, and we have later on, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that is how we are being referred to here in this parable as his friends. So, in the book, Jesus the Christ, Elder Talmadge added, The Lord's lesson was that if a man with all his selfishness and dis in disinclination to give will nevertheless grant his neighbor with proper, with proper purpose, asks and continues to ask in spite of objection and temporary refusal, with assured certainty, God will grant what is persistently asked in faith and with righteous intent. No parallelism lies between man's selfish refusal and God's wise and beneficent waiting. That's where we take it too far. There must be a consciousness of real need for prayer and real trust in God to make prayer effective, and in mercy the Father sometimes delays the granting that the asking may be more fervent. So in another place, the Prophet Joseph Smith said, Weary the Lord until he blesses you. That reminds me of this. But if you being evil know how to give good gifts just a few verses later, then how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So those are kind of the things that I draw from this friend at midnight parable in Luke 11. Well, I hope this has been useful for you today, and we'll see you next time.